Welcome to the Reminders of Grace podcast. The Reminders of Grace podcast exists to provide a reference for truth, promote a refocus on the gospel, and provoke a profound reminder of grace for our lives today. I am your host, my name is Derek, and I want to welcome you to the show. Last episode, we began to break apart and dive into this monumental topic of race. We set it underneath the lens of truth and underneath the lens of the gospel. And we said that whether you are of the persuasion that the topic of race is talked about too much or not enough at all, either way, today, we have lost a proper view of it a view that God intended. And we need to get back to listening and learning, communicating and caring, growing and reminding ourselves of the grace we've been given and the grace we need to give. We started with a framework of race, beginning at what God had to say about it, where he was silent on it. We acknowledged that of all of creation... Only humankind was made in the image of God, and only humankind was made not with a word, but with God's hands. We walked through instances of races, ethnicities, and cultures mixing throughout the Old Covenant, and then we looked at what Jesus had to say about it, and how Jesus lived in relation to various races, ethnicities, and cultures. If you haven't had a chance to check out part one, I want to encourage you and challenge you to go back to the previous episode and do so as you are able. But we live in a day where the racial and ethnic divide is in many ways evolving with organizations bent on magnifying the divide and ideologies bent on ignoring it. It's gotten so convoluted, specifically here in America. And not that these issues don't exist in other places, because people exist in other places. But speaking from this particular context, there's so much noise in the arena of social and racial justice and advancement that little is becoming clear, and truth and valued principles are being deafened. Is it a political thing? Is it a people thing? Is saying Black Lives Matter a way to be altruistic or caustic? Is lobbying to stop Asian and Pacific Islander hate offensive or is it an opportunity? Is all lives matter an egregious response or is it one of true empathy? Does prejudice exist and go unchecked in our society? Or is it solely and exclusively personal responsibility that's at the center? What about education? Should we teach the next generation a full scope of American history, even the parts that aren't as positively attractive? Or should we eliminate portions of teachings to avoid subject matter that we are maybe not willing to engage with? What about critical theory? Specifically critical race theory, what elevates this confusion is that all of these questions are viewed as, well, depends on whether you're a conservative or a liberal. It depends if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. 
and issues of race, ethnicity, and culture, which are some identifying markers of people, become all about politics. And so at the end of all of that, we on the Reminders of Grace podcast pause and say, in a world of voices, the question is not whose is the loudest. The question is not whose is the best elocuted. But the question is, whose matters most? And in a time when we are ideologically, theoretically, and literally fighting to find our value and worth in other places, other people, and other priorities, Jesus is the only voice that matters most. And he doesn't hold that space because he's white, black, brown, or green with polka dots. He does not claim that authority because he's a conservative, liberal, woke, or a patriot. He does not reign over all of it because of any markers that we might bestow on him. His voice is the only one that matters most over and above all others because he is the all-powerful creator of all things. He is the one and the only conqueror of death and the grave, and because he is the only worthy king of the ages. Other voices find their place within their context, but his matters above all else. And so Jesus, in one particular legendary instance steps across the racial, ethnic, and cultural divide and gives us one of the greatest lessons in understanding and clearing up the mess that we've made. In John chapter 4. It's a lengthy section, so here are the talking points expounded, and along the way we'll step out of the story and address an issue. Jesus and his followers are primarily of Jewish descent. With the exception of Jesus, the Jewish people would have had a severe and utter disdain for non-Jewish people and an outright hatred of Samaritans. According to the culture at the time, the physically diseased women, children, and Gentiles would have in one way or another been relegated to a lower position. But few, if anyone, was lower in a steeped Jewish traditional mind than a Samaritan. Not because of a war, not because of a history of enslavement, but just because they weren't Jewish. It was strictly racial, ethnic, and cultural. It's what they were taught from a young age. It's what they carried with them throughout their lives. And as we step out, it is vital to note that never one time did Jesus commend this. Never one time did he affirm this teaching or this tradition. Never one time did he justify it. In fact, he taught and lived contrary to it. The idea that just because that's all they knew literally means nothing. It was wrong. And sometimes today, justification is made uh, for maybe older folks that just didn't know better. And while I understand that there was a time when that type of toxic ideology permeated corners 
of family homes, organizations, and sadly even churches all across this nation that is in no way an excuse for its existence, its expansion, nor its endurance today. Enter a Samaritan woman. In the middle of the heat of the day, she walks to this well to draw water. No one ever drew water then. Either really early in the morning or late in the evening, that's when you drew water. But never in the middle of the day. But in the hottest part of the day, it is not ideal to be carrying water pots, but she was doing it because of who she was. She was likely the content of the gossip, the object of the ridicule, the subject of the whispers. Even amongst other Samaritans, she was shamed and rejected, and her life choices made her not worthy even in their eyes. Isn't it crazy, as we step out again, that sometimes within racial, ethnic, and cultural communities, we still find ways to treat people the way that we claim other races, ethnicities, and cultural communities treat us. This is important because this woman wasn't a criminal. Nowhere does it show that she was violent. She was just a woman that had multiple failed marriages and was currently living with her boyfriend. And even to other Samaritans, she wasn't good enough. She wasn't Samaritan enough. She was mocked, shamed, and rejected by people who more than likely looked just like her. So we talk about the racial divide. But within the people group, there's division and hatred and malice. That by no means excuses or justifies the divide. Just because other Samaritans looked down on this Samaritan woman doesn't mean that it was ever okay for the Jewish people to hate Samaritans. That's like saying that it's okay for others to mistreat or bully your little brother or sister at school just because sometimes you disagree and fight with them occasionally at home. Neither is justified, but neither should be ignored. And so we initiate this conversation. And while this conversation goes way deeper than a 30-minute podcast episode could attempt to cover, the context of it is so important because immediately the differences are highlighted. Jesus begins this conversation and he asks a favor. She responds not with a yes or a no to his question, but with Quote, how, and more poignantly, why are you, a Jewish man, talking to, let alone asking a favor of me, a Samaritan woman? So instantly her mind goes to the racial, ethnic, and cultural divide between them. And in Jesus' response to that question, we really get to see what he thought about that racial, ethnic, and cultural divide. He turns it away from the superficial and surface division, and he says, If only you knew who I really am. It wasn't a power trip. It wasn't about dominance. It was the creator of the universe saying, Your race, your ethnicity, and your culture, it does not matter to me more than if you know who I am. And this conversation becomes super intrusive for the woman 
is Jesus reveals truths about her life that she never shared, but because he's Jesus, he knew. And then it turns into a discussion about worship, which is a topic we'll discuss another time. Stepping out again, the passion with which people elevate their race, ethnicity, and culture is completely done away with and dissembled in this interaction and conversation. Do not miss this. Jesus is not telling this woman, you're not a Samaritan anymore. Jesus does not erase the differences between them. He just steps over them. There is an ideology that takes this to both extremes. One that takes race, ethnicity, and culture, and even citizenship, and it puts it over and against Jesus. It places race, ethnicity, and culture as the value prime products. It reinforces divisions that Jesus said are merely byproducts. But the other extreme is the ideal that race, ethnicity, and culture don't matter at all. It's in listening and learning, though, that we can discover that it doesn't have to be the most important thing to mean something. And I want to say that again for the people in the back because it's in listening and learning that we discover that it doesn't have to be the most important thing to mean something. Part of what makes the church so great is that it's an eclectic variety of stories tied together within the one dominating story of Jesus. These stories are unique because of life experience, because of triumphs, because of tragedies, because of wins, and because of losses, but also because of race, ethnicity, and culture. Our job is not to make more of it than we should, but it's certainly not to ignore it as if it's not a thing or that it's not important. So we'll boil it down and get real. She, this woman at this well, says to Jesus, we're waiting for this person to come that is unlike anyone that has come before. When he comes, he's going to tell us everything. He's going to sort everything out. He's going to answer all of our questions. He's going to alleviate all of our doubts. He's going to aright all of our struggles. And Jesus responds, yes, that's me. And the woman is never the same again. Some of the more disappointing things that have come out of this fighting for social and racial justice are the organizations and ideologies that seek more division as a way to fight division. As we explored last episode, and even in this episode some, and as a friend of mine has said, we've come to understand that in every time period, people have looked for ways to classify others and establish moral dominance, establish value distinctions, establish categoric identities and social expectations. The reality is, as we said earlier, this has endured even to this day. It's fueled by supremacy, by nationalism, and by socioeconomic divisions. But the misguided and misappropriated attempts to address this come in the form of organizations like Black Lives Matter and ideals like critical race theory. These both find their roots in teachings and principles that focus on power struggle in an oppressed versus oppressor light 
and then seeks to attribute that struggle solely to race. And what Jesus does in this conversation and even throughout his teaching is he proves that the problem is not in the fact that the Jewish people have some sort of power and the Samaritans don't or vice versa. It's that he is the answer to any of these struggles. And it's the same with wokeness, with cancel culture, and even nation-first ideology. It seeks to resolve a struggle by continuing the struggle. But Jesus is the only answer to the struggle. Jesus is the only rest to the division. Are there things in the racial, ethnic, and cultural arena that we live in and engage in with each other that can be improved on, that need to be called out, that need to be addressed, that need to be learned or unlearned, that need to be built up or torn down, the answer is a resounding absolutely. But if we're reaching for something other than the gospel, if we're reaching for something other than Jesus, we're reaching for things that are not going to make the lasting difference. Jesus did not offer the woman at the well a theory He did not offer her a way to overthrow a government. He did not offer her a way to tear down a toxic social construct or go back in time and fix a divisive ideology. He just offered himself. To this very day, Jesus makes the self-same offer. He is not offering a theory, a book, a settlement, or a nation-first mentality, not a voting record, he offers himself. He offers his gospel. He says, these differences, this division, let me show you that I'm bigger than it. Let me prove to you that I can step over these things, and at the risk of being unapologetically repetitive, I want to be clear, racism should and needs to have no place within the church or the life of a follower of Jesus. It is completely anti-gospel, and it is the antithesis of who Jesus is and what his grace does. But the followers of Jesus don't need to be another voice echoing lesser solutions to what Jesus says that he is the answer to. The fight for racial and social justice and equality does not come with the voting in of specific parties. It does not come with the acceptance of varied ideologies. It comes with, if we really know who Jesus is, if we're willing to believe him as he is. So in case no one's told you, despite what anyone else in the world might tell you contrary of your value and your worth based on your skin color, on your shade, on your background, or on your race, ethnicity, or culture, God has decreed for all peoples in all times that you are worth everything. But not because of you, though, and not because of me. Because of him. Because he made you that way. We concluded last episode with this, but I think it's still fitting. My hope is that these episodes have 
been a help to you in some way. Uh, A reminder of the grace that we've been given and the grace we need to give. And maybe this might be a challenge to you to engage in a safe and gracious conversation with someone who does not look just like you and talk about this conversation. Talk about this topic. Listen to each other. Communicate compassionately. Learn something new. Unlearn something old. And if you ever want to find someone to talk about this, I'm always willing. So let's talk. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell me about it. You can connect with me at remindersofgracepodcast at gmail.com. That's reminders with an S of gracepodcast at gmail.com. Also, please do me a favor and be sure to leave a review and click on that subscribe or follow button wherever you engage with the podcast to be certain that you never miss an episode. As you head into your week, as you navigate through your journey, as you face whatever you face, or as you seek to live on mission, be reminded of his grace and know that no matter what, it is always, every single time, greater still.